Today on CityCast Salt Lake, fire, budgets, housing, and the Great Salt Lake. It's all happening in our city. And lead producer Emily Means is here to help me make sense of the news of the week. It's Friday, October 28th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Emily Means. Ali Vallarta. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. It's Halloween weekend. It's Halloween weekend. It's a little bit wintry. I think I see frost on the roof across from me. Yep. Full disclosure, you're in a robe. (laughs) (laughs) Who did we need to disclose that to? (laughs) This is a podcast. (laughs) You're in a fuzzy robe and people deserve to know that you are reporting live from coziness. Yeah, it's very like it's very uh, Lady of Winterfell. (laughs) Yeah, it's giving Winterfell. It's giving Winterfell. Um, Okay, let's get into what happened this week in our city because it feels like a lot. Always. We have to start with what is definitely um, the story that's on uh, everyone's lips, which is the fire in Sugar House. It was a big one. Scary. It was a big one. Actually, you know what? This fire was the fire where I finally learned what different alarms mean. Like, I only ever knew them as expressions. So you know how, like, I don't know, like, the mother of the bride will be like, it's a five-alarm fire or Uh whatever. So I finally was like, because I read in the Tribune that this was a four-alarm fire. And I was like, what does that mean exactly? And I never really fully understood, and I won't go deep into it, but basically, like, they – there's, like, one alarm is, like, the smallest sort of fire. It's like, oh, I burn toast kind of fire. Two alarm, three alarm, maybe they send press, like maybe they send someone to deal with the media like Mm. this is and then four and five are just are like the the doozies really. Yeah. And so like it all determines how many fire trucks they send. I just whether or not there's a chief on site, like I had no idea I went down a rabbit hole. Whoa, I'm learning a lot. So four alarm fire, big, but you also don't need us to tell you that because chances are you saw the smoke, you saw the fire or you woke up on Wednesday morning and there was ash in your backyard. That was so wild. People mm-hmm. were reporting ash in their backyard from like a mile or or more away from the fire. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people were evacuated around this apartment complex. So this apartment complex, Sugar Alley, if you don't know, I don't know, it's kind of eerie. Like it's that part of Sugar House that for a long time was just like a pit, like between the um, that small little park and like the Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Right on Highland there. Right on like, Highland. Right in downtown Sugar House. Yeah. And it was a pit forever. It was like a different building project. And then it was this building project. It was supposed to be 200 apartments. They were set to open next year. And um, and it and it just burned. And like, of course, you know, when there's fire, we all get suspicious. But all the reporting I've seen so far says too early to determine if there's foul play, too early to assess any of that kind of stuff. Right now, the goal is making sure people are safe, mitigating damage, ensuring that businesses around can like reopen. I read a story on Building Salt Lake about it, and something they brought up that I didn't see anywhere else was that 
Apparently, the developers had been in conversation with the fire department about various fire safety regulations before, Mm -hmm. like during this construction process. And one was that like the developers had asked the fire department for their blessing to have just one fire lane instead of two. Yeah. Because like it's a tight – I mean they're trying to like squeeze a lot of housing in that that pocket, in that um, parcel. And so I don't know. It's just – I mean, mostly it's shitty, right? Mostly, yeah. Okay, I think it's also at least interesting to bring up that this is not the first fire we've had in Sugar House, even like in the past year. There was another apartment development that was under construction, uh, mm-hmm. kind of closer to Brickyard. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, between Salt Lake and Mill Creek-ish right over there. And that caught fire. And then there was apparently like like an arsonist who set an office building on fire pretty close to where this most recent one was near Fairmont Park. So, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of scary. And there has been a ton of growth in Sugar House, explosive growth. And another thing that I'm thinking about with this particular incident, you mentioned this would have 200 units of housing, around 200 units of housing. Um, the developers say that they're going to go forward with the plans. Basically, they'll start over. But mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about our housing crunch that we have here. And I don't know that this apartment was going to have any affordable housing. It's the mm-hmm. kind of thing I looked at and I was like, well, looks like a market rate luxury apartment to me. But yeah. even still, I mean, it just means that there will continue to be this uh, this bottleneck of housing units and a very, very low vacancy rate. And uh, we know that that tends to drive up housing costs. So I think it's a big yeah. setback for our affordable housing plans as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fire is absolutely terrifying. It's it's a nightmare scenario. Um Again, we're told that there was no one living in this apartment at the time. Thank God for that. Um, but uh, nothing but compassion for, like, everyone who's even in proximity to this fire. I mean, when the local businesses around, you know, Sugar Alley reopen, we should all probably go down and support them. Okay. Speaking of housing, speaking of development, speaking of yeah. what our county is going to look like in the future, uh, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson presented her budget to the county council this week. Yeah. And I think before we go into talking about this, I, I think it's important to bring up like why this matters. Because oftentimes... What happens in the city and decisions that the city council and the city mayor make are, I think, more um, – they get a lot more attention. They tend to get more focus. And I think sometimes the Salt Lake residents, we forget how much power the county has. And I remember when I moved to Salt Lake, one of the things that was really shocking to me was how much Salt Lake County owns and mm. operates – in mm-hmm. this valley. I mean, Salt Lake County owns everything from like a Bravanel Hall to like um, to the planetarium. Like it's where most people, most of our like exercise facilities, like they just, yeah. they are an extremely powerful entity. And often when we get mad about things in Salt Lake, not always, but often, our rage is sometimes misdirected to the city when really it's a county issue, right? Like the DA works for the county. Like a lot of housing and homelessness issues go to the county level. Um, so yeah, I I just 
I think it's important for us in these moments to remember that the county has a ton of power. Yeah. You know, if you're tired of shaking your fist at the Salt Lake City Council meetings, go to the county ones instead. Um, There are representatives from all across the valley. Right now they have a Republican majority, maybe even Mm -hmm. a super majority on the council. So it's a it's a good place for you to get involved. That said, this budget proposal is one point nine billion dollars, which is a lot of money. What does that even mean? Right. So and and bear in mind, like a third of the state's population lives in the county. Right. Last I checked, the county population was one point three million. So I looked up Salt Lake City's 2023 budget, which Mm -hmm. they recently approved just to compare one point five billion. They're way closer than I would have thought. Okay, so that's really surprising to me as well. Um. I mean, given that Salt Lake's budget is one point five billion, I would expect the county's budget to be, I don't know, tw- twice as much, maybe. I was going to say twenty billion, twenty billion, <laughs> twenty billion dollars. Um, especially because we've seen so much growth in other areas of the county, in the southern mm-hmm. end of the county, especially like around Harriman. Right. So, tell us what this budget is is probably going to pay for, Allie. This budget is I feel like I use the word sexy a lot on when we're talking about the news on the Friday roundups. This isn't a very sexy budget. The mayor's economic outlook is basically this. We have choppy waters ahead. Um, We're anticipating some slow economic growth countywide. Salt Lake County unemployment is at like 2%. So it's not terrible. Um, But inflation has hit the county, right? Like inflation makes money less valuable in the like shortest possible terms. And so the county's budget, like they feel like they're working with less because the cost of everything has gone up and they don't want to or haven't voted on passing those that expense on to us yet. That could happen. Um, So basically what Mayor Jenny Wilson said is here's what's in this budget. Business as usual. Right. And then um, no new like projects. No, no, none of that kind of like, you know, this year we're launching a blank, like none of that big stuff. But at the same time, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the county has received quite a bit of federal money. And so they are able to allocate federal dollars. So, you know, the mayor referred to this as a tale of two budgets. It's like on the one hand, we're being a little bit, uh, you know, we're we're keeping our budget a little tight in terms of ongoing projects. But on the other hand, we do have some federal money we can play with. And what we're going to do with that federal money is capital improvements. Capital improvements. Like, and again, to go back to like how much stuff the county owns, that means like replacing roofs on like recreation centers, right? It's like um it's it's that kind of stuff. It's like we're getting a new animal services facility. They're going to do some trail work, um bike lane improvements, safer sidewalks, that kind of stuff. So, that's really the story with this budget. Um there are a couple of things in here that are really interesting to me. Can I tell you some of my faves? Please. Okay. So, there is a list of all the capital improvements that they're going to be making. And the most 
expensive one is replacing the cooling system at the Salt Palace Convention Center. $12 million. Wow. What what is the cooling system currently? Just like they put some they put a bag of ice in front of a window or something and blow it in or <laughs> what it what is it? <laughs> What's the so problem the current here? cooling system uses Freon, which basically is shitty for the environment. So they want to get rid of Freon and have a more advanced cooling oh. system. And so that's 12 million of that. So so the whole budget for capital improvements is 85 million and 12 of that is just the cooling system at the Salt Palace, which is kind of I think an interesting reminder. I feel like any homeowners that are listening are like, yeah, no, we know that like <laughs> it's expensive to operate a building. Yeah. But for me as a renter, I'm like, man, it really is expensive to just like build things. Yeah. We, like, have, we have no clue as renters. We're like, how no. much could it cost to replace these windows? It's very cold in here. The the two things that I also love seeing, so Centro Civico Mexicano is an old, old building and the county's going to match, provide a matching grant for them to build a new building. So that's exciting. They're giving $2 million to the Utah AIDS Foundation's new community health center, which is right next to Planned Parenthood on 9th. And um, it's, I've, actually seen it and they it's quite lovely like they did a really nice job building this new facility um and then there's one in there that's really sort of interesting to me and if I was on the county council I would have been like hand in the air like excuse me I have a question 1.2 million for a new shooting range for the county sheriff's office I um <laughs> I, I personally I probably would have put that money somewhere else if it were me. But I don't know anything about shooting ranges. I don't know what the state of the county's shooting range is currently. Budgets show what we prioritize and what we value. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to ask questions about that. Yeah. And I think on that note, like this is the time for asking questions. This is just a budget proposal. It has been presented to the county council. So if you have questions about this budget, if you want to take a close look at it, if something doesn't sit quite right with you, um, there are two different things you could do. One is you could go to a county council meeting. So they meet every Tuesday. They're not going to vote to pass the budget until December 6th. So they're in this whole review process. Or you can reach out to your county council member, your representative, and make them do that work for you. There are some that are districted. There are some that are at large. And say, hey, can you ask this question on my behalf? Because this doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, we have until December 6th for the council to pass this. It'll be interesting to see where they push back, if at all. Um, Given that, you know, the mayor's a Democrat. She's working with a largely Republican council. It'll be interesting to see if they say, we love it, let's move forward, or if they want to push back because it is an election year. And so, you know, this is an opportunity to get press around your priorities if you're someone who's running for re-election and you want to make a stink. That's a good point, Allie. Also, it's it's important. I just want to be clear that it's important to get involved sooner rather than later because, you know, the farther along they get in the process, the more their minds will be made up. Yeah. Oh, and of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that there is $2 million in this budget for the Other Side Academy's tiny home village. It's interesting to see that in this county's budget. We're not going to go on and on about the tiny homes. We talked about that last week. If you're curious about our thoughts on the tiny home village, go back and listen to that roundup. Um, But it does show that the county is investing, at least at some level, in homelessness, which I know is what 
Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall wants to see. She wants to see more from the other cities in this county. Uh, she thinks that Salt Lake City has been carrying the burden of homelessness for far too long. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess this is how they're demonstrating that. Yeah. On that note, it's getting cold. Winter's here, and there are a lot of people that we need to shelter this winter in this city, and it seems like we're starting to get some of the plans. Yeah, let me give you a little bit of an update, Allie. This is from Catherine Fife, who oversees homeless services at the county. Um, she said that St. Vincent's food pantry opened as an overflow shelter on October 17th. So that was uh, a little more than a week ago. That has approximately 65 beds available. And we're not talking like beds, beds. We're talking like mats on the floor kind of thing. Right. Um, what I'm hearing from her is that staffing is hard. And this is what we saw last year as well. It took a long time to get the winter overflow shelter open last year because they just could not staff it. So all of the shelter operators are working to fill these positions. And Catherine even asked us to put a plug in. If people are looking for a job over mm -hmm. this winter season, it would be great for you to apply, visit the websites of these service providers. Switchpoint is running the Mill Creek shelter. It will be at an old library in Mill Creek. Um, and then, you know, we've got like the Road Home and the VOA that are staffing some of the other shelters. Um, one thing I wanted to mention that makes this winter a little bit different, Allie, is that we've been hearing there are quite a few families experiencing homelessness who are without shelter. Um, so we're talking children. You know, these are these are families with children. I've heard anywhere from 25 to 75 families are, you know, living out of their car or camping. And um, that's really traumatic and uh, frankly, a, a failure of our systems uh, as as a society. Um, Crossroads Urban Center is actually asking the governor to declare a state of emergency around this. Um, they want him to call a special session of the legislature to help solve this. What they're looking for is $5 million right now for more motel vouchers so that we can at least get those families off the streets and into someplace warm. Um, but then ongoing, they're looking for uh, $15 million for housing, for permanent supportive housing to prevent these families from being out on the street again. So I think when a lot of people think about homeless homelessness, they're they're picturing single people, uh, most likely men. We have a lot of men who are homeless here in Salt Lake. Um, but, you know, this impacts families, too. There's actually a family shelter in Midvale that's, I would guess, always full, just like all the other homeless resource centers we have here. So um, that's something to keep in mind as we as we head into the winter. Yeah. I saw folks from Crossroads protesting outside the governor's mansion this past weekend. I was driving down South Temple and uh, we haven't heard anything from him yet, have we? As far as I've seen, no. Um, hmm. And it is frustrating. This is a this is a humanitarian crisis right here in our yeah. state. So um, I would love to see more action from our lawmakers and from folks in power. Yeah. And I think just a last thought, like, like always, this is a really good time to be a good neighbor. Keep some water in your car. 
Like, even though it's cold out, it's still dry. We live in a really dry climate. It's important that people have access to water and water bottles. You can pass that out if you see someone who's on the median or whatever, like, you know, hand out water bottles, hand warmers, stuff like that. Like, it feels so kind of like pithy to be like, we should all pitch in because, again, like, I just know how frustrating it is as a neighbor to be like, this is a systemic failure and me handing out water bottles can't solve this problem and like completely, fully, wholeheartedly agree. And let's keep doing it because it's something. Um, And so, you know, just keeping that in mind, maybe keeping some stuff in your car that you can share. um, It's going to be a tough winter and we're going to have to get through it and just continue to demand more care, more systemic care for people in our community. Damn straight, Allie. All right. All right. Let's talk the lake. This is, uh, I don't know, one one of our favorite topics here on CityCast. <laughs> we are hashtag Brian Shrimp Tough. You know, um, we love talking about the lake. We have talked so many times on the show about coming up with a sort of a jingle for the lake. And I, you did. And it was great. I did. Uh, I believe we have two contenders. Give my regards to Brian Shrimp. Um, and then also a version of Britney Spears is toxic, toxic in parentheses, uh, dust. If you're listening and you are just Cracker Jack with a keyboard <laughs> or, or uh, like writing jingles, would you help us out? Because I feel like we do need some sort of transition music for when we talk about the lake. So we're looking for... You know, Lake Effect the band. Let's let's get it together. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Speaking of Lake Effect, speaking of the winter. Um, so here in Utah, as a result of the Great Salt Lake, we actually do get Lake Effect snow. So this is like a little bit more precipitation. Listen, I can't I can't explain all the science behind this. I did Wikipedia this to get an mm-hmm. idea, but it's just out the window for me. Emily, I actually can give you like the 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 five second description of lake effect, which is because the Great Salt Lake is so salty, it doesn't freeze and it stays a little bit warmer than most northern lakes. And so it allows for precipitation to like meet the lake and form snow. So basically, like if the Salt Lake froze, we wouldn't have lake effect. But because it doesn't freeze, it stays a little bit warmer than the air because of the salt. We get snow from it. That's amazing. It creates precipitation. You always wanted to be you wanted to be one of those TV meteorologists, didn't you? Growing up, yeah, on the green screen. Next slide, Charlie. (laughs) Um, As you can (laughs) see here, we know there's a lot more to it than that. Don't worry. So CityCast is part of the Great Salt Lake News Collaborative, which is a group of newsrooms and nonprofit organizations and others who are all working towards solutions to the crisis at the Great Salt Lake. And as part of that collaborative, Fox 13 talked with Jordan Clayton, who is the supervisor of the Utah Snow Survey, about what's going on with the lake effect. Certainly as the lake area declines of the Great Salt Lake, we are concerned about that. We do get a boost in the downwind areas because of the fact that the Salt Lake doesn't freeze over during the winter. It's a nice source of moisture for storms that are coming across the lake. So as the size of the lake decreases, that is one of our concerns that that we're, we're, we're hoping to mitigate. So great, Allie. Uh, Another impact of our diminishing lake levels. Cool. I thought it was interesting that at the end of that clip, he says, we're hoping to mitigate it. And 
immediately I was like, how? <laughs> I want to know how you're hoping to mitigate it. We kind of vacillate between uh, is there hope or it's hopeless, you know, uh, when we're talking about the Great Salt Lake. But, you know, there is hope. I don't know if we can completely reverse what's happened at the lake, but we can we can slow down the impending ecological disaster that's headed our way. So one way we can do that, um, activists are, <laughs> I'm are you sorry. cracking up about my I'm segues? Laughing, I'm laughing because as you like fist pumped and were like, there is hope. All I could hear in the background was like, I, I believe, I believe that we, I believe that we can win. I believe that we will win. <laughs> like Maybe that's our new was- Great Salt Lake jingle. I don't know. US Women's National Team chant. (laughs) Women will probably solve this crisis anyway, so it's fitting. (laughs) Okay, how do we mitigate this problem? (laughs) What do do the activists say? Here's what the activists say. The Utah Rivers Council is claiming that 20% more water could go to the Great Salt Lake every year if we changed our tax laws. Oh, what a twist, huh? So yeah, right now, the majority of water costs are covered by property tax. So people aren't really paying for the amount of water that they use. Um, Mm. We're talking homeowners, you know, business owners, anyone who's a property owner, including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which owns a lot of property here in this state. So right right now there is a bill being proposed by uh, Republican Senator Dan McKay to change Mm. this. Uh, He says that tying water use to rates would show the true cost of water, which I think is something activists have really been pushing for over the years. And uh, by doing so, that will encourage people to conserve water. So it's on the table. And I think it's always useful when this type of legislation is being sponsored by a Republican. Makes yep. it makes it an easier sell in our Republican supermajority legislature. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I do think it's interesting that one of the people that has raised concerns with that bill is Laura Briefer, the director of Salt Lake City Public Utilities. Um, just because we know that Laura Briefer, the director of Salt Lake City Public Utilities, is among the people extremely worried about the lake. Mm-hmm. Like they have come forward with all sorts of different ideas for how Salt Lake City could be funneling our additional water, or unused water or gray water to the lake. Um, and so the concern that she raised is like, OK, if we make essentially water more expensive, are we equitably allocating costs? Like, is industry still going to pay its fair share? Are developers still going to pay their fair share? Or are we going to be putting this cost on to the next generation? Which I think, Mm. like, Laura, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is, but we're in an affordability crisis. Mm. (laughs) And so does making things more expensive solve the problem? And does it pass the problem on to, I don't know, folks like you and I, like renters, right? Like people who are already like, will we ever be able to buy a home in this city? I don't know. I was surprised to read that response from her because the Utah Rivers Council, which which wrote this proposal, um, you would imagine, has thought through equity um, as part of this plan. And so we'll see. All right, Allie. Happy Halloween weekend. Happy Halloween weekend. Can I ask you your costume? We have some friends who are going as Mario and Peach. And Mm -hmm. so Pablo, my fiance, and I are going as... Luigi and Daisy. 
Oh, cute, that's right? Cute. Plus, I got that. It's... I got brown hair, so I have to be. I have to be Daisy. I can't be Peach. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. It's a hallow double date. It's yeah, it'll a... be cute. Um, yeah. But also, I just want to put this plug out there for one of my favorite local bands. I'm going to Magda Vega's Halloween show at, I believe, Big Willie's. It's going to be Metal AF. So <laughs> I hope to mosh with you there. Oh, okay. I'm open to it. Okay. Metal shows are something I wasn't open to for a while. And then, like, they're just so fun. They are fun. The crowd is always so inspired. Good vibes. Good vibes. What are you going as, Allie? So I am going as the fairy godmother from Shrek 2. <laughs> a perfect role for you. Which means perfect I just casting. get to absolutely terrorize the city, um, storming into establishments and screaming the lyrics to I Need a Hero into a fake microphone. Um, so that's what I'll be doing this weekend. But also, I, I do want to give a plug because I'm going to, on Saturday morning, Little City is doing a brunch. So Little City are the people that put on those, like, evening beer gardens um, that are made out of shipping containers. And they're doing – they're, like, transitioning to daytime, I think, as we face winter. And they're doing a brunch with Alleyways Amplified. So it's kind of a crossover. Alleyways Amplified are the people that are putting on concerts in the little tiny alleyways around the city. Mm. So there's going to be, like, brunch truck. There's going to be a coffee truck. There'll be music. And there'll be, like, drinks. It's all ages. So I'm going to go down – Potentially in my costume, and um, I think you and have, have a little to. brunch on Saturday morning, and I think that's going to be a delight. That sounds so, so fun, and you have to get all the mileage out of your costume that you can. I've found with Halloween costumes, <laughs> you got to wear economy? them everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Twenty five dollars for a Luigi hat at Spirit Halloween. Come on. Give me a break. Give me a I break. Know. But shout out to everyone who's crafting their costumes because. That's that's the real stuff. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. All right. All right, Em. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. We had a little help from the wonderful Natalie Rivera this week. Music is by the great local band Mitochondria, and we will be back Monday morning, Halloween, with more from around this city. Have a cozy weekend. If you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> she'll want to eat your socks. She'll want socks. My toes are cold. Denny, come over here and lay on my feet. <laughs>